Okay, so welcome everyone who is listening and who has joined us. Uh, this is the Cyber Teacher History Podcast, broadcasting from the beautiful and wonderful Channel Island of Guernsey. And today we're incredibly fortunate to have joining us Chandler Goddard, who is a great friend. Uh, I think I can I think I can also say historian uh, and a colleague of mine uh, to talk and peruse all things Blackbeard the infamous and perhaps most famous pirate, one would argue, of the Caribbean and the golden era of, um, of, of piracy. Who, who he was exactly, and most significantly, and, and I guess really the focus of this chat today, whether he deserves the reputation that he has. So now, Chandler, you've, uh, you've kindly come a, uh, along to talk today about this fascinating character, Blackbeard. Uh, but just to give the listeners some context, um, w- when we were working together, we used to have these great, um, and I'll call them debates, about the topics we were teaching. Uh, and we'd often talked about how nice it would be if people could listen in on what we were saying, especially our students, uh, and learn a little more, a little bit more, didn't we? So, um, so here we are, really, really excited about it, and great to have you along. Uh, a very, very warm welcome. Let's, I'll just start with saying, how are, how are you? I mean, these are very turbulent times in teaching. How's, how's it all going? How's the first term back? Going. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Chris. Um, yeah, really pleased to be here. And like you say, it'd be really nice to get our chats kind of recorded and we can sort of have a bit of a discussion, I suppose, in a bit more detail about particularly Blackbeard. Um, yeah, I'm good. It's like you say, very interesting time, I think, to be teaching. We've sort of had a few ups and downs, but I think we all work, work as hard as we can, don't we, to sort of uh, make the best of it and make the best of it for the students. But yeah, just really looking forward to talking about this particular individual who, as we've discussed in the past, I think is really interesting. Uh, particularly, like you say, that image of him, whether or not he deserves this title of the most notorious uh, pirate of his age. Yeah, brilliant. And and I think even, you know, against the, the against the current climate, this 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 podcast could be a great benefit to students, particularly if, you know, as and when linked to remote learning and just an opportunity for them to listen to it. Well, you know, they might be coming in on the school bus. They might just have a, you know, a few minutes of the, of the weekend to listen to. And, uh, and, and so I think really, really very, very helpful to that. And so, yeah, brilliant. Um, right. OK, so to begin with, in your worldly wisdom, could you explain to the listeners how it is you got into studying about Blackbeard? Or let's just clarify this from the start. I've, mm-hmm. I've heard different surnames for a lot of pirates have these kind of names uh, that aren't necessarily they're famous for but is it edward is it edward teach thatch does it matter um i think really there's different different pronunciations and there's different reports of different spellings as well edward teach seems to be the most prominent of those but there's there's thatch there's tatch there's different ones and i think maybe we'll cover this later on that's all part of this mysterious background of where he comes from and not really knowing who he was um, and perhaps why there are these different spellings. But I think usually we refer to him sort of as Edward Teach or Edward Tatch, but either is fine. Perhaps we'll stick with Teach. Easy for us to remember. Yeah. In our oh, well, I'll try and remember that as we go through as well, because I'm... I'm <laughs> okay. Yeah, brilliant. And so, you know, you're, one of the very first conversations that when we started to work together we had was... Um, uh, we were talking about Blackbeard. So your fascination, where, where does that all come from? And how did that kind of manifest itself? So um, I was uh, doing my undergrad- undergraduate uni uh, degree in history at Exeter um, and I had a really great lecturer. His name was Christopher Alifelt. And he, he taught us a lot about sort of the making of America 
um, lots of things about prohibition, Al Capone, uh, the birth of the KKK and sort of the rise and fall of the KKK and lots of these really interesting, uh, he, I suppose his focus used to be crime, he used to talk a lot about crime in America and I just remember in a, in a lecture one day he just made sort of a comment about piracy and this idea that pirates almost getting a bit of a slightly bad rap from the media of the day. Mm -hmm. um, so when it rolled around to sort of choosing dissertation time, I sort of took this idea and spoke to him about it and it sort of rolled from there. So I did my dissertation on Blackbeard and Al Capone, specifically oh, looking okay. at them together uh, and how they were portrayed by the media of their day. And I suppose how the legacies of those two criminals in America have lasted and perhaps why that has and linking it back to really that that media portrayal of them as two huge monsters and both are referred to as Al Capone famously referred to as public enemy number one and even Blackbeard is referred to as an enemy of mankind and I kind of just looked at the way the media yeah. talked about those two yeah um, and it just kind of went from there and I thought it was just a really interesting Mm. way to look at this that very unique part of history so I, i'm already thinking uh, another podcast on al capone here as well <laughs> that's the part two yeah part two to. yeah fantastic yeah brilliant <laughs> yeah and uh you know let's let's i'm gonna blow your trumpet for you i mean okay. if you just tell listeners a little bit about how you know the, how close this dissertation was to actually going to almost like another level in terms of how yeah. good it was, really, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I must say, I, I remember at the time not paying too much attention to this, this comment because I didn't expect to get there. But I think there is something that if you get to an 80, a score of 80, that's when you might have conversations about publishing things. And yeah, it, it, did, it did get quite close to that. Um, and I think it's something that, and even looking back at it before we sat down today, I think there's different things and it's, it's quite good to look back at those. And there's different ways I might have done it and different things I would like to include if I'm a bit... I'd like to say, you know, know a little bit more, I've, I've discovered a little bit more about, about these characters that I'd have included. But um, yeah, I really enjoy doing it and I think that's why it's been really fun today to kind of look back on yeah. it. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, shall we we'll get to a little bit of the nitty gritty of, of, of the, okay. the person in question today mm -hmm. then. So, you know, for those who don't really know uh, a lot or, or they might know a little bit about this period of history, Perhaps a little bit of context here would be useful, I think. You know, when, when we talk about the golden age or era of piracy in the Caribbean, um, I think I'm right in, t in, s in saying it's, a, it's the early 1700s. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, if, we do, if we go down to a date, it's from 1715 to the early 1720s. Yep. Okay. Can you just explain to listeners, perhaps, then, what, why did piracy all of a sudden hit the limelight at this particular era? Why, why then? Well, you've had a lot of individuals who have been engaging in something which is called privateering as a privateer, um, which at this point is effectively a form of state-funded uh, piracy. So you would have individuals who would be privateers um, and they would, by order of a king or queen of their country, they would be robbing and raiding enemy ships. Um, by this point, uh, quite a few of those um, have been, I suppose, left of work and you start to see this rise in pirates. By about 1716, uh, there's about 5,000 pirates, and these are merchants, uh, ex-Royal Na ex Navy seamen, really, who no longer have that line of work left. Mm. Um, and quite often what happens is small bands of pirates grow because they will take control of a vessel, um, and those individuals end up joining those pirate ranks usually because the conditions are so much better aboard a pirate ship than they were aboard the merchant ship they're on, the Royal Navy ship they're on. Mm. And that might be simply because the pay is higher, 
um, better food and shorter hours and actually a lot of these individuals say why on earth am I working for this Royal Navy uh, on this Royal Navy boat or this merchant boat when actually I could be on this pirate ship and yeah. there's a couple of other really interesting bits about what a pirate ship was like and this kind of mini utopian society really or at least the way they describe it and that's why you just see this huge rise and it becomes uh, crime on a massive scale in certain different areas. What is really interesting is that it never becomes a national phenomenon really. There's never an entire national issue of it. There's specific areas such as the Bahamas um, where they start to target specific areas and it becomes a significant problem because they, there's so many of them, like I said, about 5,000 and they're starting to target these commerce lanes uh, and the economy uh, of these different companies and that's why you start to see then such a anti-pirate attack really against these individuals. And, and we're talking, most of these pirates, I'm right in believing as well, they were of English origin, right? They've, they've worked for the equivalent, they've worked for the British Navy. And so we're talking in a way mass unemployment mm -hmm. from a maritime perspective. And the Caribbean, because they are, they're, they're what, are they intersecting the, uh, what, what, what the Spanish and the French are doing in terms of the new colonies and, and, and bringing stuff and goods from them? Is that, you know, the, oh, that's what I'm thinking, is that the Caribbean and not the Middle East is for that yeah, reason? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely right. What they're looking for is they're looking for uh, sea lane routes that are as unguarded as possible. So they're looking for areas where they can uh, base themselves that are ungoverned. Um, so yeah, a lot of these places around the Caribbean fit that fit that description. I think most pirates, or at least all the pirates we're looking at, and perhaps the most famous pirates we would know of, are British-born. But actually, like I say, these pirate ships could be a melting pot of different different people from different places. Yeah. Um, Ex-slaves, for example, might be might join the pirate ranks. Um, and actually you'd have lots of different languages being spoken on these pirate ships and different people from different places and they would all all bound together and it kind of fits in with like i say that idea that actually a lot of pirates like you say coming from a desperate place where they are unemployed the lowest socio-economic class um that they that they're of their of their area of their of their nation and really they're desperate to find some line of work yeah. and it just happens to be that piracy tends to provide that and yeah. and this is something i think we, we had a, a chat beforehand this 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 extraordinary almost anomaly from a history perspective that you've got a kind of egalitarianism existing mm, on these absolutely. pirate ships haven't you and and this is our absolute loggerheads with the very very formal and strict hierarchies that we see in society mm, at mm. the time and and i find that just in itself really fascinating yeah brilliant so um well the, the, the person in question, Blackbeard or, mm. or, or, or Edward Teach, uh, in a nutshell then, who, who was he and, and, and why has he stolen the, the show, do you think, in terms of pirates we are aware of and, and remember? Because there are countless others, mm. but he always seems to... He's always the, the guy who is a, a new film being made out of or a documentary or something like that. What, what, who, who was he? What's the fascination with him? So I think the, he's so interesting because that question has such a difficult answer in the fact of who actually was he. The first, I suppose, the first instance of who is Blackbeard, where does he come from? He's referred to as somebody who is a man Bristol born, supposedly somebody who's born in Bristol. And actually, what is quite interesting and what I talked about in my dissertation is I looked at this idea of him being potentially from Bristol and just like those people we've just discussed, whereas actually 
it's this fascinating article uh, by a historian called Brooks who discusses the fact he uses a lot of genealog genealogical records to discover that potentially Blackbeard is actually a very wealthy individual, family owned, uh, had slave plantations, very, very wealthy, a member of the establishment who supposedly black pirates such as Blackbeard are supposedly fighting against. Incredible, yeah. So Brooks, as I sort of read this article, and really, I suppose once I found that, that became a really nice foundation for what I was going to talk about. He is, he is, and again, we don't know too much about him, but he is a pirate who uh, is supposedly the most fearsome of them all. Whereas actually, a lot of primary source accounts do not show anything to suggest that he killed anyone during his reign as this, as this famous pirate until the final battle he has with the Royal Navy, which is where he is killed. But what is particularly, I think, interesting is that, as I say, this image of Blackbeard, and, and you talked about the fact that he seems to always be someone we come back to, the image of Blackbeard is perhaps what is most famous about him. So the idea of the, the huge black beard, which is where he gets his name, the idea he has matches in his, in his hair or in his beard and they're on fire, um, quite a lot of pictures of him, if you, if you just do a simple Google search or anything he's been in, sort of six pistols strapped to his chest, two swords, and this idea of this terrifying individual. What these historians I looked at my dissertation suggest is that this was all made up. So made up by both Edward Teach, Blackbeard himself, but also by the media of the day. And I suppose we just talked about this very briefly before we started. Blackbeard, it's argued that he created this terrifying image of him um, to look as much like a monster or a demon as possible. Like say the really, really thick black beard, black hair, the smoke pouring out of these sort of lit fuses he'd have woven in that hair mm. to supposedly cow his victims into submission to avoid yeah. conflict. So, so I'm sorry to interrupt. No, so no, he's no. smart because Absolutely, yeah. what if you can if you can get submission from someone through fear, mm -hmm. then you're not yourself going to come to harm. So it kind of makes sense. And, and I think that's the, the the flags they used too were, were indicative of that, weren't they? They you know they they were more pot potentially trying to get across this notion that you know do this or else rather than actually the last thing they wanted to do is 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 bring harm to themselves and their crew because that defeats the whole point absolutely and i think blackbeard has a very specific jolly roger um which is the type of flag he has a very specific black flag he sails under and you're right he creates this idea of him as this vicious evil monster who's going to murder you in the most horrific way possible um, if you're a, if you're on a merchant ship you're the captain of a merchant ship you see that flag the idea is that, well, you would rather submit to that um, than, than allow yourself to, to be engaged by Blackbeard. So yeah, people are surrendering. Um, like you say, Blackbeard gets what he needs, gets what he wants from that ship, but without uh, having to engage in that bloodshed. And I think that's particularly uh, important when you think about, about Blackbeard. Yeah. The other I suppose, side of that that we were talking about before is that those individuals against Blackbeard, particularly from this establishment like we've talked about that he's fighting against, um, and there's an individual, Governor Sportswood, uh, who is, is the man, uh, is Governor of Virginia, and he's the man who is put against uh, Blackbeard. He's, his job is to try and rid Black, the seas of Blackbeard. Yeah. In a way, both need him to be this monster to yeah. justify, Governor Sportswood to justify why they have been affected by Blackbeard for so long, um, and Blackbeard in order to try and improve his business, really. And like you say, I think 
if he is trying to avoid bloodshed, that perhaps leads into this idea of does he deserve this reputation or, or yeah. not? And that's that's the $64,000 question, mm. isn't it? You know, um, uh, is he a hero, villain, saint or sinner? Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, I'm, I'm, we, we could talk forever, couldn't we, we about this? Could. And, and uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll have a part two. Yes, you know where we can go into a little bit more detail because this is really just to give people mm. a flavour in terms of you know trying to answer this question. So you know I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay, saint or si- sinner, hero or villain, blackbird. What do we reckon? Uh, I'm going to be a coward and say you can't say saint or sinner. I think <laughs> I think I think again <laughs> as we would, always yeah. say we think with history it is about perspective, isn't it? I say at the very end of my dissertation that you can't. It's not a I don't want to condone anything Blackbeard or any pirates did because, of course, these people committed these yes. horrendous crimes yes. and stole. Yeah. I think what is particularly interesting is by viewing it in context of the time, to some people, to a lot of people, he would have been a hero. Yeah. To others, he would have certainly been a bit been a villain. And I think it's interesting to look at that from those two perspectives. It, almost, almost, you know, a Robin Hood style so. of the sea and, and yeah. some of their crews I think even said that didn't yeah, they yeah absolutely do you know what I, 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 it's been brilliant talking to you today and um, you just the wealth of your knowledge and your angle on things is just the bread and butter of what we're about as history so I cannot thank you enough I'm really looking forward to our next podcast absolutely yeah um, you know I'm, I'm, <laughs> you're, you're nodding the right way so you know that's going to happen yeah definitely um, so but just a massive massive thanks thanks to you to that end and, and good luck with the rest of this term very very testing trying times we appreciate that um you know let's let's stay positive yeah let's do what we can do well in the classroom um and uh and and we'll get there won't we okay so many many thanks thank you chris thanks okay so um as i just said keep a close look out then everyone please for our for our next cyber teacher history podcast it's been great to to have you uh listen along today uh, and and as always, particularly against this 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 current uh, these current times, do take great care of yourselves. All the best. Bye.